Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome. Uh, Yushin, uh, Justin, you guys are both here. Well, Justin just left, but Yushin, you're here. Um, thank you, man. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. I really, really appreciate it. I, uh, as we were just talking with Justin, I feel like you and I have been working together in some capacity and then we, we haven't actually connected. And so, um, I'm really, really interested and, um, really impressed by what you guys have done at, uh, at Replo. So, um, let me know, uh, if you want to do a quick intro about, you know, kind of, uh, you know, your journey to getting to Replo and what you're working on now and what your role is and, we can kind of jam from there. So uh, I'd love to just give you the floor, my man. Yeah, cool. And great having, um, thank you for having me on and like great being here. Um, and like, yeah, your podcast is really cool. And, and I'm, an, I'm, I'm an honored guest here. Um, so um, I appreciate bit, that. Man. <laughs> totally. And and a little bit about me, um, kind of two sentence summary here. Um, so yeah, um, I'm one of the co-founders of Replo, um, started this company with um, my one of my best friends for a long time, Noah. Um, we go up way back, both went to Berkeley together and and studied computer science there. So um, I've, I've known him since freshman year of college. And um, in short, what Replo is, it's a landing page designer for Shopify. So it allows you to build landing pages really easily. Um, and, you know, even without a designer, we have great templates, we have great, you know, resources. And we're also trying to build a really cool community around, you know, design and brand and like, you know, CRO around Shopify. And, and that community has, in some ways, almost surpassed the product, um, which is really awesome to see. So um, we're still a small team and yeah, just trying to do our best in life, uh, with everything we're building. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I want to touch on that. I, I noticed, um, the Slack community is growing quite rapidly and I want to, I want to kind of go back a little bit and understand what your, where your beginnings were, what made you jump into this. And I don't want to say it's a saturated market, but there's definitely a lot of players in this, like, you know, building, uh, landing pages for Shopify and, you know, there's other companies doing very similar. I'd love to know what what's your background. I know you you studied software engineer, but you know what what's kind of the the path to getting to building you know on Shopify directly rather than you know elsewhere and and, and that uh, part of the story. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess even to go way further back, like um, so yeah, like Noah and I were in the same dorm together. We've been friends for a long time. Like I copied his homework and. Or I guess we're like work group partners whatever, in, in, in college, right? So it's like, um, I've known the guy for a long time. And, you know, even back in college, we worked together. Like, so we, um, we actually digitized um, Berkeley's course scheduling system, like while we were still in school. And, and that was a lot of fun that helped pay for our tuition. Um, we ended up selling that to the university. So I had like a long history of working with him. And, and like, wow. you know, we, we were kind of like always like friends first. And we were kind of like, okay, like, you know, like, you know, next thing that we, we do together, like we want to do together, right? So, um, you know, after college, um, Noah was the principal engineer at this company called PlanGrid. Um, they got acquired by Autodesk a couple of years back. And like, I think he was ready to leave because it was a big transition for him from going to, you know, such a small engineering team and small company startup environment to like, 
a company as big as Autodesk, which had like 50 gazillion employees, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was at Uber uh, for about six years, was a senior engineering manager there and like was managing a couple of engineering teams. And I had always been kind of this like, you know, I think kind of like closet designer in some ways. I, I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, design is really cool. Um, even though I was kind of in the software engineering space, I think like building great products is like something that I feel really good about. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, so um, I think like, kind of how this whole thing started was like um, a, a friend and I used to run like a, like a e-commerce dropshipping business on Shopify. And like um, I, I, for us, like design was like really important. Like, even though we were like a relatively small player in the space, like we were kind of just like, okay, like we wanted everything to look good. Like we didn't like, like I think Squarespace and, and these kind of like, you know, website builders were, were great if we would just needed like something really simple, but we were like, okay, we wanted to look a certain way and how do we get there? And, and it was right. kind of this combination of like, you know, being really focused on on design, but also kind of like being too lazy to kind of like, you know, code everything from scratch. And we were kind of like, okay, this is kind of an interesting kind of problem, which is that like, you know, if you're, you know, some, you know, someone's mom, like selling necklaces online or whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, like a simple storefront would do. And, and there's a lot of like great software out there that helps you do this. But like, if you were like someone who kind of really cared about design and, and brand, like all of this stuff, it's like, you kind of just like had to straight up go out and like hire developers. And we were like, right. like we actually had this problem at Uber as well. It's like, we had, I think over a $1 billion marketing spend in like 2018, 2019. And like, you know, we, we wanted all of our, our content, our, our global content to be like branded and like have so much like design elements. And like mm-hmm. when people come to Uber, they're like, Hey, like this needs to be trustworthy. Um, and there was like never enough engineers to like actually like build out everything like across like, you know, a thousand different cities, like all the different marketing pages we needed to do, all the different campaigns. Like there was just never enough engineers to like actually do this stuff. And I was like, okay, like I think like there's an interesting opportunity of like how do we kind of like allow people to create like really amazing content online, like web pages or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and actually have them be like really custom. And and maybe that market is not as big as like, you know, everyone building their like next wedding website online. But like for us, that was like a really interesting problem. Um, and I think that naturally kind of extended to like, okay, like we see this problem on Shopify because like we actually had this problem. And like on Shopify, like you have not only like, like branding is not only important, it's like actually necessary, right? It's like when people right. come on your page, it needs to be trustworthy. It needs to like, you know, and it not only needs to be like, you know, well designed, it also needs to be dynamic. Like there's like custom content on these pages there's like Mm -hmm. discounts there's like different product information getting pulled from different places people have like different subscription programs so it's not like hey like we can just have a static page and put some buttons together and it's like good enough it's like a lot of the companies we work with now like they really care about this stuff and um, so we saw like a niche there and we were like hey like this is an interesting idea like um you know i got no on board and he's like all right let's do this so um we've been at it for about a year and a half and then you know so far it's been going something well so um, that's amazing man that's amazing and and thanks for sharing that because i think there's uh there's a lot there uh in terms of uh you know especially starting as like drop shipping i always looked at drop shipping as this mm-hmm. you know throw up one of these like basic templates pull in a bunch of products from some vendor and you know just go ape shit on like the marketing side and hopefully people come hopefully they like the product and all this other stuff and i always wondered you know uh why isn't there somebody literally focusing? I mean, you could build a really great, you know, dropshipping website, 
But what if you just put like a really cool brand face behind it and, and mm -hmm. spruced it up to the point where people feel, like you said with Uber, like everything needed to be trustworthy and all this, because 99.9% .9 of the dropshipping websites out there is they're complete garbage in my opinion. Yeah. Like they just look like shit and I don't ever want to buy anything <laughs> from there. Even though they're hosted on Shopify, I'm just yeah. like, I do not know when I'm getting my package, if I'm getting my pack, you yeah. know, all these other things. And so, um, but when you guys were, when you guys were, I guess, running your own uh, website and yeah. stuff like that, did you look at some of the other, like, uh, you know, landing page builders? And you, did you see a market there that you're like, damn, they're not doing this and these guys are not doing that? Or did you not even tap into those and you just said, we just need to build something cool on this? We, we kind of thought about it. I mean, like, I think we also didn't really come from like a, uh, like, I, I think if we're going to do like a hot take on like the dropshipping space, like, I think a lot of dropshipping kind of like is like one step removed from like the get rich quick schemes. Right. And right. Like, I think like people don't necessarily put as much thought into like, Hey, like in some ways dropshipping is almost like, Hey, I'm testing out the market before like I actually use, I'll do something a bit more serious. Right. And, and I think we were like, I mean, we were doing fine financially. Like we had great jobs we were kind of just like, Hey, let's yeah. do this for fun because like it, it's an interesting learning experience. Um, and so I think we came from it at like a much more like kind of like product angle, which maybe like a lot of like in some ways that like maybe that's not like that didn't describe like the majority of people in the space. But um, I think we were kind of like, hey, like we really do did care about like, you know, brand and, and, and design in, in that in that regard. Um, I guess like sorry, your, your question was more around like, um, did we look at the other like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did like, I mean, initially we were actually on Squarespace. So like we were, we were okay. on Squarespace for a while and then we kind of just needed to get something up. And then like, um, there was a lot of kind of like logistics issues with Squarespace. So like we, we realized it wasn't like the, like the best platform to like run a lot of our e-commerce operations. Um, and then after that, like, I think I had been using kind of like Figma for a while, like since probably 2014, 2015, mm -hmm. like just that work, um, and going like sketch before that. And like, I think I was just like used to like a certain user experience where I was like, Hey, like I can drag this thing here. Like, you know, I can align these things like on, you know, mobile, everything's like resizing. And, and like, I think the e-commerce market was also changing. Like this was like maybe 2019, 2020, which was like, I, I think for a very long time, Shopify was just like a bunch of like small businesses and they were trying to sell online. And I think like with, with a little bit probably before the pandemic, but definitely through the pandemic, like there was this emergence of like very large brands on Shopify, right? And like, right. And you kind of see this now with like Glossier and like Hexclad and like all, kind of all of these businesses. And they're like, and I think all, most apps on the Shopify app store are not geared towards that like upper 5% of businesses on Shopify. They're kind of geared towards like, hey, someone, you know, is, wants to spin up a site really quickly, like potentially for drop shipping. Like how do I get yep. something up really quickly? And and I think most page builders apps in the Shopify space kind of target that market, which is like fine. Like, I think it's totally valid market. And we get a lot yeah. of users now where we're, we're like, hey, like, you know, you guys are just starting out, like design maybe isn't your top priority, right? Like, so our software might not be the best use case for you, right? Like, I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, we're about finding people the right tools to use. We're not trying to like show our product. Um so right. I think we, we serve a very specific demographic, which is like people who have used these design tools, they really like these design tools and they're, they're trying to kind of create that user experience um, within Shopify. So um, yeah, I don't yeah, know if that makes no, sense. That, 
No, no, no. That's that's perfect because I do think that I think that Figma alone has opened up so many different gateways for people to. I mean, I, I know even like uh, there's there's tools that take your Figma file and transform it into a complete like Webflow interface, and you can you know everything becomes very dynamic and all this other stuff. And I feel like you guys have kind of tapped into the Shopify space by using this like like almost like web flowy kind of thing where you can customize mm -hmm. as much as you want to, but it's also a lot of drag and drop where anybody can almost do it for themselves. Yeah. I think like the, the key here is like the customizability, which we think is really important, which like, I mean, like we want right. to stick to that. Right. Like, I think like once you start saying like, Hey, here's four boxes and put, put like four things in this, I think, you know, it does become like in some cases easier to use, but it's it's not kind of the market that we're kind of going after. And I think the second part of that is not just the customizability, but the integrations. So like if you use a product like Webflow, like you're kind of just building your own website, like it's generally kind of like isolated from the rest of the world where like for e-commerce, there's so much like dynamic content getting pulled from like different places, right? So like pricing data, like localization for different countries, like all of these different things, you're like, you're like, hey, I want that in my site. Like I want the discount codes to show up and I want like, yeah. all of these interactions to show up. And like that just wasn't solved on on Webflow. And and like, um, I mean, Webflow is a great user experience, but it's their e-commerce product is still pretty like early stages. So yeah, that's kind of like where we saw the opportunity. We were like, Yo, there's like all of these big companies on Shopify. Like that's this is like, you know, a really good opportunity for us. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. And how? Uh, and have you guys have raised funding, right? Yeah. Um. So we raised a small seed round. Um. After YC. Um. We actually have some news coming up about that. Uh. Which I probably can't talk about. But um. No, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Like, I just wasn't um, sure. I was just asking. Yeah. Generic, so we, but... we did. We were in Y Combinator. Um. In summer 21. So we did raise a round after that. Um. And. Yeah, I mean, definitely kind of like in the venture backed game, which, um, you know, has, has has some other implications as well. But um, yeah, it's it's been it's been going pretty well so far. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how is it how's it been a transition for you from going, you know, being in the in the space of like senior manager, engineer manager at Uber to running your own shop now with obviously you have a co-founder mm -hmm. and you guys are growing your team. How's that transition been for you in terms of, you know, kind of oiling up your own machine now to understand how to manage people? And, you know, now you, do, you guys have a lot of partnerships and a lot of these different components. Mm -hmm. What's that transition been like for you and your and I guess for your co-founder as well to like, you know, get adapted to that part of the running the business? Yeah, I mean, I think like it's in some ways a lot of the same thing in some ways, a lot of the different things. Right. So I think like, you know, in terms of at the end of the day, like we're still trying to build a great product. And I think like in some ways we're very much biased towards like, you know, all the implications of kind of like product like growth and kind of like, you know, and maybe kind of the delusion almost of like, hey, if you build a really great product, like, you know, people will come. And like, I think like when people use Roblo, they like imagine this like really big company and it's like, they're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you guys, like, you know, we just found out about you guys. And it's like, we're like 10 people, right? Now. We're less than <laughs> people right now, right? So it's like this like weird thing where like um, people expect this really big company. And then like also for for a long time, like we we were built working on a product, like we didn't have any customers. Like we had like a few customers, but it wasn't like this big thing. I mean, even now it's not a big thing, but like relative to where we are now, like, a year ago, like we basically barely had any users and, and like we were, you know, like, I think in some ways, a lot of that, like go to market motion, we had to kind of like learn. It's like, 
Twitter is like a really big channel for us, but like I wouldn't have guessed that ever. Right. I'd never right. used Twitter. My my Noah uses Twitter a lot. Like he he's like, you know, really big into open source and, and iOS development. And he's like, hey, like, you know, we should get on Twitter and try this out. And I'm like, why the fuck would we use Twitter? It's like <laughs> we, we need to like, you know, hire salespeople or something. Like like it's something else other than Twitter. So there's like certain right. things that we definitely had to learn. Um, but I think a lot of um a lot of the stuff is still pretty much the same. It's like, you know at the end of the day, you like hop on a call and like build a connection with someone. Right. And like, yeah. um, I think a lot of like, you know, stakeholder management and like figuring out like how to hire people. Like, I think a lot of these things carry over. Like I probably did like, you know, five, 600 interviews in the course of like three years at Uber, like just like interviewing people every day. Like we were on, on their like hiring panel and everything. And like, I think that also helps us inform like, okay, like how do we want to build out a team? Right. And in some ways it's a little bit freeing because now you're kind of like, hey, like, you know, we raised some venture, like, you know, we have this solid growing business, like, let's hire and create the team that we want to work with. Like, and mm-hmm. I think that's like really nice because at like a larger company, a lot of times you're inheriting teams, right? So, if, for example, there's a layoff or like the team gets restructured or like we hire more people. It's like, it's kind of like, hey, like, you know, as a middle manager, you're like, hey, here's a team that you get, like, you know, figure out what to do with these people. And 99.99% of the time, it's really great. Um, but you know, being able to start from scratch and thinking about like, you know, this isn't my life, but this is a big part of my life. Like, who are the people I want to work with? Um, like, and and like, I'm like so happy with like the team that we've built in terms of like, you know, just like really smart people who and you just like give them stuff and like they just go out and do it. Like, um, that's awesome. But that's been like, it, it's kind of like the same kind of like process of like hiring, but it's it's in some ways it's much more rewarding. Um, yeah, I mean it's definitely more work, but <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, are you able to? And if you don't want to speak on this completely, yeah. okay, can you share any kind of like numbers of what your growth has been like? What any like revenue numbers or anything like that? If you can't, it's okay. I completely understand. I just want to ask those questions because I mm-hmm. think it's interesting for me to see. Uh, as you know, like I built an app on Shopify. We're now slowly starting to push it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people still underestimate uh, how big of a business you can build on the back of another, you know, platform or a marketplace or a company like a Shopify or like I built my agency on the back of things like Upwork, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people underestimate the value of having those channels available to you where you're targeting directly the people who are your customers instead of just being on, you know, quote unquote on Google and Mm -hmm. hoping that somebody finds you. So if you can, uh, I would, or if you, whatever you want to share, you can. So that that would be my. No, totally. I mean, like, um, I probably can't speak to specific revenue numbers right now just because like okay. we, we we are um we do have like some press stuff coming out pretty soon um but okay like, i can say that like i mean the i think what's really interesting is like i feel like a lot of investors at least when we were fundraising were like hey you guys are fucked because like you know this is a really small market there's like a lot of platform risk and like you know, like this isn't like a real business, like you guys are building on the backs of like some other company, right? And like I think that's really even scary as a founder because you talk to your friends and then you're like, hey, like we're, we're doing this thing on Shopify and they're like, wait, why are you doing it for Shopify and not, right. you know, like this other thing? And like even at the beginning of this podcast, you were like, hey, like why, are, why aren't you guys more focused on the kind of like a broader market? Why are you guys, you know, in, in Shopify? And I, I think like, I think a lot of people kind of don't think about kind of like the process of building like a company and a team. And it's like, 
at this stage, the only advantage you have as a startup is that you're really efficient and you're able to like have a right. focus. Like the thing you lose as a big company is that when you have a thousand people, you're not like a thousand X more efficient. You're like, you know, yeah. some, or like some multiple of one X to a thousand X, right? Probably closer to the one X. So um, right. I think like that focus has just been like so good for us because like, like what I can say is like, we, we probably got, I mean, we, we had 10 paying customers like sometime in the middle of last year. Like, and we were kind of like, Hey, like, you know, seems like it's not going super well. Like we need to continue working on a product. We had like, you know, these 10 design partners that we were working with and we were kind of just like, yeah, like we, we should, how do we like grow faster? And what we really underestimated was that like these 10 customers, they were using us for like 10 hours a day. And like, like as soon as our product got good enough, they were telling all their friends about it. Right. And then like, basically in the course of like, three weeks or oh, sorry, like, like two or three months, like we got like over a thousand like people using Raplo and like a wow. thousand merchants and agencies. And it's like, like, it, like at this point, like people who like sign up, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who you are. Like, and then I'm like, Hey, like, that's the most exciting care? part of it is when you don't yeah. know the people that are signing up. <laughs> well, it's like, I don't know who they are. And like, I don't know, like I try to hop on a call with, I still try to hop on a call with people because I'm like, Hey, like I yeah. want to understand like, you know, your journey. And like, I want to understand right. you as a person. Um, and it's like fun for me. And then I'm like, hey, like, where did you hear about us? And they're like, oh, like, I heard about you through X. And I'm like, who the fuck is X? Like, I like, I don't know that person either. Um, so like that, like that, because like we're in such like a relatively small niche. I mean, Shopify is not a small niche, but it right. is a niche nonetheless. Like, relatively, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that, it just like allows you to like concentrate so much like word of mouth and like kind of like almost like virality in some ways in terms of like, you know, who's talking about you. Like we have people hopping on calls and then they're like, Hey, three people this week told me about this. Like, I don't even know what you guys do, but like, I just wanted to hop on a call. And I'm wow. like, that's really bizarre because a, you should probably know what we do, but like B, like, <laughs> you know, there's three people talking about it and we don't know who these three people are. And, and like, in some ways that's really cool because we're able to maintain this like really lean team and, and stay focused without being like, Oh my God, we need to hire like 80 salespeople to like sell right. this product. Right. Um, I mean, in some ways it's also a downside because now like, you know, like even in our investor updates, I'm like, Hey, like this, you know, word of mouth thing is really great. But like, you know, it's also a lot of trust that people have in our product and our team. And, you know, if we don't do a good job or if we're not able to deliver on, on the promises that we're making, like that also works against us. Right. But as a yeah. startup, it's like, it's nice to have that niche and focus. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, like it's if the question is like, Hey, are we going to be like a hundred billion dollars on Shopify? It's like, probably not. Like, I think there's pro some other products that we're going to need to expand into like longer term. But, um, I think Shopify is an amazing starting off point. I think you can build an extremely solid business, like, um, yeah. on top of Shopify. So absolutely, man. And thank you for yeah. sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, yeah. And, and what have been, uh, what would you say? You said word of mouth obviously has been a great <laughs> channel for you guys. What are some of these other, and I want to touch on the community aspect of mm -hmm. things, because I think there's a, there's, especially you also mentioned Twitter and all these components, yeah. and I think that's all part of the community factor. But to me, I want to, uh, I want to kind of dig into like where those channels that you've seen when you opened it up, whether it was like an agency partnership channel or this or that, mm -hmm. where did you see some of these big growth points where you said, oh shit, we didn't understand that this would be the working channel for us? What was it agencies? Was it tech partnerships? Was it, 
you know, was it Twitter from your co-founder? Was it, you know, other channels? What what had kind of the the most rapid and maybe um, the word I'm looking for probably is like uh, something unexpected growth, I guess, would be the the, the best way to ask. Yeah, it. I guess like to rephrase your question, it's like, at what point did we realize that that was a channel that we should like invest more in or? Yeah, yeah. Or, or you maybe opened up two or three channels and yeah. uh, maybe thought that agencies was going to be the best one. And now it's like tech partnerships or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, dude, honestly, like my honest, like, founder to founder answer is that like, I think we're still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, no, like, no, that's, yeah. a, that's a perfect I mean, answer. And I, yeah. and I think that that's a perfect answer. I, I think in some ways, like we try to like put ourselves in, like, I, I think we just tried a lot of stuff. Like I think Twitter is probably not um, an avenue where we expected, like we talked about before, but then like even the Slack community, like it's not like we had some like glorious ambition in the beginning to be like, Oh my God, we're going to like start a massive Slack channel. Like, I think like we saw these other Slack channels and we were like, oh, this is like a really good, like in some ways it was almost out of like laziness because we were like, oh, right. like we don't have, like we were doing our own customer support all the way until like last month, basically. Like I was, we, we had like 24 seven support, but the 24 seven support was just like me and Noah on Slack answering support messages. Right. And like right. Um, that support. So we created that Slack channel because we were like, hey, maybe like you know, instead of us answering every message, like we can like get people to answer each other's messages, right? Like, right, that's right, right, right. And then like, um, I mean, we were also like, it, I, I think originally, even before that, it started off like we we had these like 10 design partners we were working with and a lot of, a few of them like didn't pay for Slack. So we literally couldn't set up like a, like a Slack connect thing um, with their right. Slack because they didn't pay for Slack. And we, we wanted to like provide better service than like just, you know, through email so we were like hey like you know we love you guys like we want to support you like here's a slack channel and like we created that slack channel initially as like a how do we talk to our like few design partners like how do we make sure that people are getting their support questions answered and it was like 20 people in that slack right and then yeah over time we were like hey like you know we started working with this partner we started working this with this freelancer and we just like invite them to to the slack channel and it pretty much grew organically like it, it, it like now people are inviting like people on their team and then like at this point, like it's growing much faster than we can directly invite people. But I think it kind of started off like, hey, let, let's like put ourselves in, you know, our customers shoes or our partners shoes, like what would they expect? Um, and then it kind of just went from there. I mean, even with the agency stuff, it was like, I mean, we were kind of like, hey, like this, you know, we didn't have like a sales team, we didn't have, you know, like to this day, we don't have a sales team, we don't we don't have any marketing spend, we're just like, how do we grow this organically? And we're like, okay, well, if we sell this to an agency, like that's kind of like selling to like end merchants, right? Versus like if we directly sell to a merchant, we'd have to talk to every single merchant. So right. um, I think it was kind of just like, okay, like if we're an agency, you know, like we would, this would save us time. This would save us money. Um, this would like leverage our team and then trying to kind of just think about like, how do we get like win-wins there? Um, mm -hmm. And using that as kind of like a logical basis to be like, okay, here's the channels we should try. Like even with the podcast we launched, Justin was like, hey, like I'm already doing these case studies on the phone like every week. Like, why don't we just turn right. this into a podcast and like actually make this available as like another medium for like, you know, right. people to find out about us and also to like learn something new about e-commerce. Um, so yeah, there was never like a master plan where we were like, <laughs> yeah, like we were. I, but those are, those are the best plans though, that when you don't have any, when you just go with what's, what's, 
basically calling like the community side of things mm -hmm. it just spread like wildfire because somebody invited somebody else and you guys yeah. needed to do these things podcast same thing it's like hey i'm already doing this like let's formalize it a little bit we don't mm -hmm. need to do anything crazy we don't need a production let's just get on the phone talk to people record it throw it out there and maybe the one sentence you say in that in that podcast helps another person come on board and realize oh they solved my problem of you know, building out a Shopify store without having to hire a, you know, $20,000, $30,000 agency or whatever that might be. Yeah. So and like a lot of, that's really effective. Yeah. And a lot of people who come on, like, I, like, I don't even expect them to like use Replo per se. It's like a lot of times it's like maybe not the right product for them or they're too early right. or they're too large. And it's like, I think it's also nice because I think they also have a lot of value that they can provide like to the rest of the community. And it's like, like, I mean, maybe when we're like really large, we're going to track this. Like right now we don't track like, you know, if you're joining community, like, are we trying to like sell you on this? Like, I don't really care. Right. Because if it's the right product for you, I think like over time you will like use it. And if it's not like, we also want to be honest with ourselves, right? If people are like, Hey, this like product isn't useful for me. Like we want to know why. Right. And, and like, it could be like, you know, there's something to improve. It could be something else. Like, I think we need to be honest with ourselves, which is why like we don't, you know, pay for marketing. We don't like pay, like we don't have salespeople. Like we're kind right. of like, hey, if this product is useful for you, like you should use it. If not, like that's totally fine. Like I'm not going to be offended about it. Um, and I think the other thing also is that like, I don't know, like I think like I'm also just trying to be honest with ourselves about like, you know, what are the channels that work and what are the channels that don't? I think like when companies get larger, there's like this revisionist history where they're like, oh, like this, these founders had like this fucking golden vision on like a, on a mountain. And then like they came down and they were like, all right, here's like all the channels that would work. And we knew this would work. And, you know, we we hired all these salespeople and it, and it magically worked. And it's never like that. So right. um, I think a lot of people like when they read on like TechCrunch or like, you know, AngelList or something and like this company raised a massive amount of money. And then they're like, oh, my God, like these people like had the right idea from the start. And like, you know, they like knew exactly what to do. It's like. Dude, those people were like grinding in a cave for like six years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are literally cavemen building a company right yeah, there. Yeah. And it's like, I, there's like this like thing within YC even that was like, you honestly should just like ignore all your competitors and just keep going. Cause a lot of times like people would just give up or like, you know, like it's like, it's like if you just like keep doing it and you, you just have like tenacity, it's like 90% of the time, something will work out, even if it's not the thing that you expected yeah. from the beginning. So absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what did you when you guys uh, initially launched? Did you guys I, I mean, I guess, can you share mm -hmm. any of like the bigger merchants or companies that you guys have on board? I know you have some on mm -hmm. your website, uh, like partners and and merchants that are using uh, you who who came on board that surprised you in terms of because here's why I'm asking this mm -hmm. question. Um, and I've uh, and I've seen this happen with yeah. our agency, for example, is, you know, you sometimes think, oh, these big companies, they have all their shit figured out. They have all these designers on hand. They can make everything look beautiful. A lot of the times that's not the case. A lot mm -hmm. of the times they just want exactly what the same small merchant wants. They want to be able to quickly build a marketing page, landing page, put it together. They don't want to depend on the developer. They don't want to depend on a designer. Mm -hmm. They already have the brand assets. The marketing person just wants to go in there and just click, 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 get it mm -hmm. done and launch it and run a campaign, see if it works and come back with some results. Mm -hmm. Is there anything like that that you've seen that kind of maybe even surprised you and said, oh, wow, these big companies came to you know, our product to build something like this, where you would imagine that they would just be able to build something like that in-house and use it natively on Shopify? Um, to be honest, I didn't have that, like, surprise moment. And I think it's because 
Well, okay. I think I was surprised and not surprised. So I think like in the in the not surprised camp, like because, you know, like I had spent so much time at Uber, like, you know, people think it's just like, you know, monstrous big company that's like a public company. And then you go in and you're like, wait, like they don't have their shit figured out, right? It's like, yeah. like basically Uber has run like a thousand different startups where people are in, like, people are literally like working out of hotel rooms in like different cities and they're just trying to like launch like ride sharing, right? At least like, you know, a few years back, like I'm sure they're yeah. more established now, but like you go into like any of these big companies and you're like, wait, like it's just a random amalgamation of people that are like trying to figure their shit out. So right. I think like, you know, like, I think there's like this famous quote, I don't know from who, but it's kind of like, oh, like, you know, if at the end of the day, you kind of just realize that like everyone's still trying to figure their stuff out, right? Like parents, yep, like always. teachers, like everything. Um, so I, I think I always kind of like carry that mentality. But I think like um, one thing that did surprise me was like, um, I think there was a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of like social proof in e-commerce where it's like, you know, the decisions you make on which agency you work with, which partner you work with, which you know, mm-hmm. software you buy, a lot of times it's influenced by like, if your friend is like vouching for it, right? If you're, if, if a competitor in a space, like a friend or in, in the space, like is using that software and you're like, oh, wow, like that's a really great piece of software because X is using it. And like, I think there's definitely some of that, but there was a lot of like, I don't know, like we, we would send like cold emails to like these really large companies. Like um, we work with like Caraway right now. We work with like Hexclad. We work with like Jambies and like, I have like some of their products in my kitchen and stuff. Right. And then, like, yeah. Yeah. And then like a lot of times it's like, we literally just like cold emailed them <laughs> and wow, like the, the, the timing just worked out. Like, or it was like, it, like I, I felt like that sales process would have taken longer where we were like, Oh my God, like, you know, the, cause when we were starting out, like we didn't have anything. So it was like, we really needed to like convince people that like, you know, like, Hey, like, this is a problem. Like, we're not going to like pivot, you know, in two months and leave you with nothing. Like, um, but more recently it's kind of just been like, Hey, like, like, you know, this is my problem. Like, can we solve it together? And and we're still small enough where we're super responsive. Like we have, you know, 24 seven support and like, and, and like we try to onboard people like really well. And, um, but it was kind of just like, it kind of got to a point where we're just like, hey, like, can we sit down, have a human conversation about like how we can solve your problem? And like, if our solution works for you guys, great. If not, like, you know, that's totally fine. Like, I don't even take it personally. I'm like, okay, that's great feedback. Like, that's fine. But um, I think that that process of like, I guess, like closing customers was like a lot easier than I thought. Um, and it's it's worked out well so far. So I think that was a little bit surprising that like we got some of like very big logos just through like random conversations um or like even cold emails like um so i don't know no that's awesome that's awesome i mean those are the those are the stories that make it all worth it um when you start getting into you know whether you're raising funding or you're bringing on new clients like when people Mm -hmm. see that stuff it's like oh they're trusted by so and so like my small business doesn't you know doesn't need you know, crazy amounts of customizations or whatever that might be. That's really, yeah. really cool. Um, what are, what, what else, uh, what else are you guys, anything else that you guys are working on at the moment for the product that you feel like is, has been like a requested feature or something that you, you maybe didn't, um, you know, foresee in the beginning that you guys are now really like tapping into? Um, well, I think like the main thing is that we need to like hire <laughs> a bigger team um i think like yeah. one nice thing about having like you know like all these customers is like 
a lot of times they'll request features, right? And they'll like come and ask you about like, hey, like, can you guys do this? Can you guys do that? And I'm sure for an agency, that's true as well, right? It's like yeah. service offerings you guys have. Um, and I think like, you know, I, I think that's a totally different problem than like, you know, a few months back when we were like, hey, you know, like if we were, you know, running up, you know, eight figure, nine figure e-commerce company, like we would want this. Like having customers tell you that, I think like any, if you have the right, mechanism for prioritizing like you know how you spend your time internally like i think that's just a lot easier um but right now i think like we we need to grow the team like we want we have like so many cool features we won't we want to launch and we're just like oh my god like we're so like you know underwater with like all of these customers and, and like you know the overwhelming majority of them are super happy but like there's also like you know they're also expecting new features to be built so um i think the main things are like I don't know. I think a lot of there's obviously like features we want to add. So for example, like, you know, even something like, Hey, like being able to like schedule like a page to be published or like building different parts of your store or like, you know, mm -hmm. um, better integrations with like different apps. So for like example, like subscriptions, like we want to make these integrations really easy to do. Um, but I think there's a larger product that we're almost building, which is like outside of the software, which is like almost a services aspect, right? It's like, people aren't coming to use your software because they're like, oh my God, I have to like pay for the software. They're kind of like, hey, I have this problem for my job. Like I want to save time. I want to save money. I want to be more efficient. And people are starting from that, right? So if you're not like speaking to that as like a company, it's like, even if it's not part of the core services we provide, like we want to make it easy for people to like design really nice pages. So like, is there something, yep. you know, we can do with um, in Figma or like in, in these design tools? It's like, how do we make it really easy for people to like find great agencies and great partners and great, great free freelancers? Cause like, when was the last time, like we went on Upwork and like try to find someone to like do something and they like did a terrible job at it. Right. And then like, right. That happens like all, like that happens like 90% of the time. Right. So like, <laughs> so it's like, how do we find you know, and like vet our, our experts, like we interview, like I literally personally interview like all of our experts. Like I, I have them go through and build something in Replo. Like I, I QA it. I like, and then before we even like let them work with anyone, like I, we do all of these things. Um, and then now it's, it's like the quality of your offerings is not just the software. Like the software is kind of an enabler, but there's, you know, great partners, great design freelancers, great like content that people can do. And like all of that in aggregate, people are like, oh, okay, I buy into this community. Even if I like, I'm not ready to use the software, I don't have the budget for the software or whatever. Like that's mm -hmm. totally fine. Like I don't, I don't really care if they use the software or not. I mean, I do care at the end of the day, but like, you know, as a community building aspect, I, I I really don't. I think we're just trying to provide value to people. So I think that's like, I don't know. I feel like that's like the bigger product that we're working on. And yeah, maybe it's like some like weird karma thing, but I'm kind of like, okay, if we like actually add value to people and we build this community, like the revenue will come at the end of the day. You know, it might be right. like, you know, two or three or six months away. Like I've been talking to some merchants that I started talking to like six months ago. <laughs> and then yeah they're like oh yeah like we're ready to like sign up like you know to pay for this and i'm like great like you know like and and we'll continue support supporting you so um i don't know i think that's kind of how i think about the product i guess for, for yeah no yeah that that's really cool that's really cool i i do have to say i really really enjoy uh the fact that you came from you know what everyone would envision like an uber where everything mm -hmm. seems and, and i had a friend work at apple and yeah. he went to the finance department he goes you do not understand how much of a shit show this place <laughs> is like as as yeah. my, my, my nice girlfriend worked in, worked in finance at apple so i uh <laughs> yeah and she uh, and and my friend uh he was just like 
you see how all their products are nice and beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's where the effort is put into the back office is a complete fucking mess. They just make so much money. It's uncontrollable. How much, like there's all these things that he, he, he told me and I was like, dude, nobody would even believe that story. He goes, dude, I, he's like, I'm working on things from like four years ago. Like right now I'm working on financing like three years ago, four years ago. And I'm like, so what you said about Uber and how you feel like it's just a lot of mini startups in one big company have one mission of just like ride sharing. Like let's Mm -hmm. make it the best experience that we can. And so I like that, that you took that mentality and now you're just like, I really don't fucking know what my best channels are. I don't know what everyone wants, but yeah. as people tell me, I take that in, I think about it, I talk to my team, and then mm-hmm. we go in and prioritize what need, what we need to build or what we don't need to build at this point or whatever that might be. So I really respect that because I don't think anyone has anything figured out. And I'm a big proponent of that yeah. because at the end of the day, if anybody had it figured out, then you know, they still don't have it figured out in my opinion. <laughs> well, I think like you run an agency and you, you, there's like so many things that you're running. Right. So it's like, I think yeah. you also get that, which is like, you know, I think like as a leader and as someone like, I, I think there's like a lot of posturing and leadership where you're like, Oh my God, like I'm like this like godlike figure that has everything figured out. And it's like, you don't actually want that. Like a, it's like not a fun team culture to have B it's like, it's just really yeah. stressful because in your mind internally, you're like, I don't have any of this shit figured out. And like, yeah, I think yeah. the only thing you can do is like, listen to, you know, everyone's opinions and like make a collective decision about it. Right. And I think like, you know, there is an aspect of like, you know, being the final decision maker, if there is like, you know, some sort of tie or some, some sort of conflict, but generally speaking, like a lot of these decisions, just like the amalgamation of just like random people putting in ideas. Um, exactly. And yeah, I don't know. I think that what that's what makes it fun, I guess, is like kind of trying to figure out that problem and that puzzle. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. No, I think it's uh, I, I think that's exactly what it is. And honestly, man, after a few years, you know, in the beginning, I was wearing so many hats and I said like, oh, you know, I could figure all this out and all these other things. And every time something new comes up, I'm like, I don't know that. I don't know that. I tell my team, I'm like, hey, guys, I have no idea what the fuck this is. But do you guys have any idea? Like, I'm asking them. And I always believe in that part about, like, surround yourself with people that are just smarter and brighter than Mm -hmm. you think. And everything will be fine. Like, you just you go to them for advice and they come to you and you sort of bounce these ideas back and forth. And then you just figure it out from there. And you make the like you said, you make the best decision and you just go roll with it. And when, if, when you fuck up, great, you own it. And when you win, yeah. same token, you just own it and you take accountability and say, yep, made that decision and worked out really well. Or I made the decision and it really screwed everything over and I'll, I'll figure out how to fix it. Yeah. It's, it's a fun adventure. I mean, like, I think even internally, like we, you know, we have all of our like customers, like, you know, open to our, our team. Like we have our revenue, like, you know, how much cash in our, is our bank account? Like, all of that's open and i'm like okay like guys like at the end of the day like the only constraint here is like it's it's like yes you we hire people to like do certain things like we hire justin to like you know run growth and we hire engineers and like you know like all that stuff but i'm like at the end of the day it's like it's a you know linear constraint problem it's like here's the number yeah. in our bank account right like here's yeah. the current product so far like anything goes right so it's like if we want to hire more people if we need to like you know run some ads if we need to like do anything it's like the world is your oyster just like let me know like what we need to do to grow um, right and i think it's just like a lot more fun because it's like a lot more collaborative like you're learning something you're you you feel like you're not like you know puppeting the entire team or something right like it's just like, exactly people like exactly. want to hire people who are better than you at this um, yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, I wanted to ask you really quickly, because I don't get to talk mm -hmm. to a lot of people who've gone through like YC. Yeah. What was your experience like and anything that stood out? And I guess when you guys applied, did mm -hmm. you did you under did you think that you had a good chance of getting accepted into their into their, um, you know, into their batch that year? Like, tell me a little bit more about that, because I know it's a it's not the easiest place to get into, I guess. Yeah, I think they have like a ridiculously low acceptance rate. Um, I think maybe it was a little bit different for us because like we went to Berkeley and like we had a lot of friends who did YC. So like we were very familiar with like kind of, you know, like our the experiences of our friends, like good and bad, right? Like, um, yeah. and I think like in some ways, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people hear YC and they're like, oh my God, this is this amazing thing. And it's like not actually like, you know, necessarily the right fit for a lot of companies and i wouldn't even say it was a perfect fit for us and and the reason i say that was is because like we did yc summer of 21 noah basically quit his job like the friday before um and we had like nothing going into yc so and i think like a lot of yc is kind of like putting you this in this like artificial pressure cooker where they're like okay guys like go by the end of yc's to have like x in revenue and like you know y in customers and we just like weren't really ready for that. Like there was a, like, a lot of product building we needed to do. We needed to talk to more customers. And I think like it, it definitely pushed us. It, it drove us to be like, oh my God, like we need these like contracts signed, even if we didn't have a fully working product and all of that stuff. And I think it definitely accelerated us. But I, I think like, I don't know. I think in some ways it's like it, it created a lot of pressure and, and in some ways it's good and in some ways it's bad. It's like maybe we should have done it like six months later. I, I feel like we maybe would have gotten more value out of it. Like, I mean, we applied basically like not thinking we were going to get it. And we were like, hey, let's like do it as a trial run. Right. And like, um, I mean, I think the network from like, I, I think the main thing with these, a lot of these incubators is like as effectively speaking, the success rate of every other incubator except YC is zero. Um, yeah. Because if I ask most people, like, hey, like name an like name a successful company from incubator X, like any incubator besides YC, like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people won't be able to name a company that that's been right. that's had a successful exit. Which is weird because like there's so many incubators and they all pitch themselves as like this like freaking amazing thing that you have to join. Um, so I mean, like for us, it was like okay, like. If we did, if we work, if we were going to do an incubator, we we would we should do YC. Um, it helped us with like you know, it helped us infinitely with like investors. Like we 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 hadn't raised money before at, at a C stage company, so that was helpful for us. The introductions were really helpful. The um the network was really helpful. Like I've met a lot of really close friends through YC. So and just like surrounding yourself in like a very like kind of like intellectual environment where people have the same goals as you it's like not something that's really easy to come by as an adult right it's like a lot of people are like working almost in silos at, at like big companies and a lot of people are just like working you know as a job it's like not really it's not really something they're passionate about and like in yc you just meet like so many fucking smart people and they're yeah. like yo like i've been doing like freaking like x for like 20 years and like now i'm like starting a company in x i'm like super knowledgeable and i'm like Jesus, like, <laughs> it's, imposter syndrome really yeah, kicks it's in. Like real imposter syndrome, and like a lot of companies that even do YC these days, like they're they're relatively established. Like I almost feel like YC has moved a little bit beyond like the, um, like hey, you have an idea, like go experiment with it. I think they're becoming a little bit like less uh, risk tolerant compared to where they were maybe fifteen years ago, and I, I think that's probably for the better. But 
um, if there's like, that's a whole separate other conversation, but like, there's a lot of like, I think being in that environment, especially like, you know, I think now YC is back in person. It's like so good because it pushes you to like do more and like having that support network where you're like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, you know, I have like X money in the bank account. Like I'm doing Y revenue. Like, am I fucked or like, yeah, so like yeah, 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 yeah. tunnel. And then I feel like people in YC are just like so intellectually honest, right? Because everyone's there to like succeed and everyone's there to like help you. And like, you know, people are very open. Like they're like, okay, like this is where we were at, like, you know, a year into our startup, like we were completely fucked. So like, and now right. we're like, you know, freaking DoorDash or something, right? It's like, right. <laughs> like it's, and, right. and, and, and hearing that is like so much, like, so I guess comforting in some ways, but it's a, it's a good support network. So I, I don't, it's always that. easier. It's always easier to handle your problems when you hear other people having yeah, it's like asking dating difficulty. advice, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like suddenly everyone's like an armchair, like counselor, like when, when you're talking right. about your friend's dating life and then you're like, great, right. like I like, you know, had the same problems and I wasn't able to overcome them. So um, I yeah. think that support network is amazing. I mean, like, I think for anyone doing anything like venture backed, like I think YC is a great option. I think there's a lot of businesses that shouldn't be venture backed, but people think that, that it has to be venture backed. And I'm right. like, dude, like having like Silicon Valley VCs, like invest in your company is not necessarily a good thing. Um, right. So I think that's something that I think a lot of people have to think through before. Like they're just like, Hey, like I want to do YC or whatever. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And how far along, how far along were you guys, uh, within your product or how much of it was built out when you guys joined YC? Oh, we had like nothing. Like we had like, um, that was kind of like one of the crazy parts is that we were probably, I, I, I think YC is like kind of this interesting thing because like a few companies join and they're like relatively established and they're, they're kind of like using YC as kind of like, Hey, like, you know, we're going to help use white, the YC brands, like help us hire to help us raise money. Like a lot of companies are like very bootstrapped. They've been bootstrapped for a few years and they're like, Hey, we're going to use YC to kind of accelerate, you know, our growth trajectory here. We were basically like, Hey, we just left our full-time job to explore this idea. That's amazing. <laughs> like that's amazing. Um, and we're like, we're not quite sure why we got in. Like, and, and, and kind of YC does this thing too. I mean, I mean, like just to not even like bias her and not to kid ourselves. Like we probably got in because, you know, we had been friends for so long and we had worked together before. And like, you know, like I always treat Noah as like a friend first and, and co-founder second. And like, you know, I, I'm kind of just like, Hey, like they were probably like, yo, these people probably aren't going to like get divorced like immediately as soon as YC starts. Right. Like, right, right, like, right, right, right. Generally, you know, Noah's a lot smarter than me, but like two generally competent people in a room together, like they can probably figure something out. So I think that was kind of like their mentality. But I mean, a lot of YC was just spent like even building a prototype, like get, trying to figure out like, you know, who we talked to at these companies. Like we didn't have any like, I think now it's weird because like we talk to people and they're like, oh my God, like I've heard about you through X or like, you know, people randomly text me and they're like, oh, I, I, you know, someone asked me to text you. And like, that wasn't the case before. Like all we had done is just like a random dropshipping business. So like no one knew who we were. Um, <laughs> even at like our first customer, they would like, they were like, yo, you're in YC. Like we worked with the YC company before, like they completely imploded and like all of their employees got fired. Like, how are we so sure that the same thing won't happen to you? Um, and I don't know, that's kind of like scary, but we, we really didn't have much. Um, it was, yeah. Um, it's been interesting. Yeah. 
thing. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. I love that journey, man. I love, I love how much you're figuring out along the way. And honestly, it makes me, it makes me believe in the product that much more because I feel like at any point, something was to have like a small shift. Yeah. You're going to be ready for that shift because you're like, Oh, we've done this like three other times or whatever that might be. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I, I think it's undervalued. And I think some people be like, Oh, you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, no, that's fucking cool. crazy. <laughs> well, I think there's like a disconnect between like what you read on Twitter and LinkedIn and like kind of like all of these like thought leaders that are like, oh, my God, this is like the way to run the company. And then right. you like look at their background and you're like, wait, you've never run a fucking company before. Right. Right. Like, that's true exactly. like most investors as well. Like most investors haven't been founders. Right. So it's like, right. Like when are like, I mean, our investors are great. But like, I mean, I remember when we were fundraising, it was like all these investors would like be like, guys, you're doing it all wrong. You should do X. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? Like you've been like your first job out of college was an investor and now you're right. still an investor. It's like, oh, you're just like in the peanut gallery. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think like, it's like people trying to tell you what to do when they yeah. have never done the thing. Yeah. And I think like in general, like I think founders should have a bit more confidence, right? Like whether, yeah. regardless of whether it's like, you know, venture backed or not, it's like the only, the best person to know who your business is like, honestly, yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. No, that's awesome. Now, uh, uh, I know we're already going almost for an hour. I yeah. wanted to quickly ask you: Where do you do you have any kind of foresight into where you see sort of the um, the the Shopify like e-commerce space like going into? Are you seeing any sort of trends where you're just like, "Ooh, that's interesting." I understand, mm -hmm. you know, there's the whole AI thing and a yeah. lot of these concepts happening, but. I, have you noticed anything that you're like, oh, this is an interesting take on e-commerce or like a new trend that you're seeing or anything like that? Um, hmm. I don't know. I feel like I don't have a specific answer to that. I don't know. Like, what are you thinking about? Like, um, was there anything you feel like? I, I feel like. I feel like two years ago, I would have said now would be the time for a lot more like virtual reality stuff to be imploding into the e-commerce mm -hmm. space and like really taking over and a lot of these virtual rooms and all these other things that are that could be happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, even now, like you go on, you know, the Apple website, for example, and like only like one of their components is like, see how this, you know, thing looks mm -hmm. in your room or whatever that might be. And I, I just don't feel like that technology has made it as far as I would have thought, like mm -hmm. even thinking about it like two years ago. So to me, that's been a little bit of a surprise because I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shit, when I was building my agency, you know, yeah. we're like two years in at that point. I yeah. was like, oh, shit, we're going to have to hire like VR people for an agency. What the fuck is going on? Type of thing. <laughs> but it, it really hasn't been the case. Like there's only a few brands that you know, probably require that. And most of the time they'll just hire somebody internally to kind of take care of that. Cause you don't need a entire team to take care of that. Yeah. I think one thing I've been kind of thinking a lot about is like, I don't know if this is like a trend per se, but like, I think there's, there's kind of these like waves of kind of like interest, in, like interest in different things in e-commerce. So like, um, I think one thing I, I think one thing that we kind of joke about internally is that like there's kind of all these because I do some annual investing on the side as well. And like there's kind of this like common trope within like within I mean, not just e-commerce, but generally within SaaS where it's like, hey, like, um, you know, Amazon is doing X. Right. And like, therefore, like your, you know, two million dollar a year, like 
e-commerce company should also be doing X or like some version right. of X. And I, I saw that a lot with like, you know, product recommendations and like, you know, some like machine learning applications as well. Like, um, and then like, there was like the whole thing with like headless and like, um, kind of like, right. Bringing in a whole dev team to like, you know, manage your store. And like, it, I, I think it's like kind of like a spectrum, right? It's like, okay, yes, at certain stages, it's like, you know, if you're reducing your payment processing fees, or if you're like, cutting down on coupons or like, you know, some variation of this where you're, you're bumping your revenue, like one or 2%, like at a certain size that does become significant, like, you know, at right. Amazon scale, it's like probably billions of dollars a year. But right. like, I think a lot of people are kind of trying to like apply that for a while, especially like, I think during the pandemic, when like there was a lot of venture capital and with, within the e-commerce space, um, I think people were like, oh my God, you have to get on like, you know, do, doing machine learning on, on your, on your like product recommendations and your sales data. And I'm like, dude, you guys get like 10 sales a day. Like right. your problem isn't like you don't have machine learning. Your problem is that like your product sucks. Um, or like, right. <laughs> you know, like, um, like focus on the thing that's like there already, not what's what you think is going to be there. Yeah. And I think people, I mean, I think generally speaking, people have this like magic bullet concept where they like read something and they're like, oh my God, this person knows. Like usually it starts with an investor or like some dude on LinkedIn or yeah. Twitter or something. And they're like, this will be like the golden bullet. And that happens with like Repo now quite a bit where people are like, hey, like, you know, I want to get into landing pages. I'm like, okay, okay, let's back up. Like, what is your strategy here? And like, you know, like we want to help in any ways we can that might end up in you buying our product, but it could also end up with something else. Like you could, you know, we could refer you to an agency and then they'd be a great solution for you. So I think like, you know, thinking tactically about like, is this the right solution for me? And, and, but I think like generally within e-commerce, there's like a lot of like bandwagoning and stuff. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes like in six months, like everyone forgets about it. So exactly, uh, exactly. Like the whole hype about chat GPT right now is like so mm -hmm. big and everyone's using it and all these other things. And not that I think AI is going away. I think it's just going to keep getting smarter. But I think it's like the same thing that happened with NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. NFTs got so big. Everyone thought that e-commerce was going to change overnight and yeah. everyone's going to do NFT memberships and all these other things. Well, there was so much ended up jumping like on Shopify that. did something with NFTs too, right? And then for them, it was probably like two random, like, I don't know anything about their product. Right. I'm assuming right. it was like two random engineers on like a weekend and they were like, hey, we're going to do this NFT thing. And then like Shopify was like hopping on a bandwagon because they just have a big budget and they're like, hey, like, exactly. let's advertise this. And then every small company was like, hey, we, we need to do NFTs for like exactly. e And I'm like, no, you don't. Like that's... No, you don't. Dude. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I think like a lot of a lot of these things are just like way louder than it. <laughs> like the, yeah, the yeah. Mass majority of people like do not care. Um, exactly. I think I, I think social media amplifies everything a little bit too much, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like you get you have to make the end decision of whether that's something like let things marinate for a little bit before you start like you know cooking them right away type of thing. Like sometimes it's good to like soften it up. Be like, okay, what are the loopholes here? What do I, you know? And, you know, from that perspective, yeah, NFTs was supposed to be this like big old thing. And I'm like, eh, yeah. not gonna. Well, now like not gonna... are up and no one has any money. So they're like, all right, <laughs> I don't care about NFTs anymore. And Ethereum is completely down and all this other <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, exactly. I think chat yeah, GPT is interesting because I think it's kind of like, it does enable us to do like, it, to like test more things and all that stuff. But I mean, right. Right. Um, I don't know. I, There's I, a lot of work to do there. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely saved time. I mean, like in like writing emails and everything. Um, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, how does it help help you? Right. And if it I think you have to think very clearly about that, because I think like a lot of people just follow like whatever the latest type is on, on Twitter or whatever.
And mm-hmm. like in the case of ChatGPT, like it does save us time. It's not like you know, like a golden, like a silver bullet. But right, um, yeah, NFT stuff. I I just have no idea. Um, <laughs> like the whole Web three thing is very bizarre to me. But I I think you kind of either fall in that camp or you don't. And and I exactly it's, exactly yeah, like I I I can't empathize with with the people who like you know are, are on the Web three game. But um, yeah, like how does this help my immigrant parents? Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is that's yeah. that's exactly the same thing with me it's like my parents are not going to be using this so for that that's like 50 percent of the market's already gone <laughs> pretty much it's like, yeah dude it's crazy it's yeah. crazy anything else you want to riff on uh you should uh I'm, um, I'm happy to talk i know we've been already going yeah. for an hour anything else you want to you well wanna i'm curious about? like where you guys are going like in the next year like um i guess like you know what what goals you have for um like on your team and yeah, so uh, one of my one of my focuses right now. So um, I do I'm doing a few different things, right? Yeah. So I have my service agency, which obviously um, we're working with you guys a little bit too to get mm-hmm. some of these like uh, components up there at the marketplace that you guys mm-hmm. are planning on launching and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one component of it. The other part of it is my product agency where. We're focused on building, um, you know, things across Shopify, mm-hmm. Chrome extensions and different things. My main focus right now is actually Drop Voice, which is attaching voice notes to products. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a there's a human level of experience there that I think brands can, you know, double down on. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, on the on the underlying foundation there is I think retention and higher uh, LTV for for a lot of these brands because. Um, the way I thought about the product and where the idea came from was, you know, I've been in the Shopify space for a long time. Yeah. And when I looked at everything, everything is like pop-ups and give me your email, give me your text, me- like, mm-hmm. give me all these things. Like, give me, give me, yeah. give me. It's like, one of like, these okay, things like can- super annoying, but like, it like technically works. It's like the freaking, like the, the spinner thing. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. There's like, you're like this, there's no way this works, but then like, it, I guess it does work because for like, I don't know, it's, it's, yeah, like <laughs> seven out of the 10 brands use it. So yeah. you're like, dude, they're, you know, but so for me, the voice thing came from a perspective of, you know, our, our attention span, uh, everything is shrinking. Mm-hmm. And I wanted this, the way we started out is I wanted this to be a sort of a component. So if I buy, let's say, for example, this water bottle, right. And this water bottle is made out of material that is unbreakable and it doesn't, you know, whatever else it is. And maybe you do, or you don't know that, but my goal was through the customer journey i wanted the when the pro, uh, when the customer buys the product i wanted them to have that additional layer of their experience to hear from either a merchant or maybe a familiar voice like mm-hmm. we maybe it's a maybe it's an influencer maybe it's somebody that's sponsoring the product maybe whatever that might be to hear from them be like hey uh thanks for purchasing the product just wanted to let you know for example this is made out of material that you can drop out of an airplane it's mm-hmm. not going to break and you know we donate 10% of the proceeds to this cause because mm-hmm. we support it and as a brand we stand by that and hopefully you enjoy the pro-. just giving that little extra tidbit about the product it could be literally anything Mm -hmm. and and almost having that personal experience after you've already committed to the like you don't you're not trying to sell somebody on you're not trying to do any of that and so that's a big piece to me as a as a a, you know on both sides as a merchant and as a uh, as a customer Mm -hmm. and so recently we updated the app and added some additional features where we're allowing people to embed voice notes into actual product pages and anywhere across shopify Mm-hmm. So um, that's, I think, another piece of it where, you know, now we can have, uh, you know, 
run testimonials through there or whatever that might be where it's more voice uh, uh, originated rather than just like reading a bunch of text. Mm -hmm. I think that's another component of it. So um, I think um, I know that that it, it gives a lot of value to the brand from yeah. that perspective. Uh, but I also think that there's a lot of work to, you know, to convince people that this is something that, you know, will push the envelope forward for them with the customer build that, you know, I think back to my point about like people asking for emails and all these other mm -hmm. things, I, I'm, I'm more focused about, and you mentioned this in the beginning with like brand, right? Like the way things look, the way things feel. I think this is part of that feeling that you get when you go shop on, let's say, Caraway, for example, and you hear from one of their marketing people or whatever else it is, or somebody maybe famous and said, hey, man, thanks for purchasing, you know, this product. Mm -hmm. um, here's how I use it. Here's some cool things you can do with it that you might have not read on the product page. And you just sit there and be like, oh, shit. That just like raises the value of that product, mm -hmm. even though you're not spending extra money on it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's cool you're doing like so many different things. I feel like I yeah. Um yeah, it's I, I don't know. I, I I hope to get there one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me to me honestly what happened is that I've been building online for over like 10 12 years at this point uh, and I had this like vault of information and things that I've been through whether it's building my agency like I said on the back of Upwork and on the back of yeah. Shopify and all these components where I just want to almost like lower the barrier of entry for other people and just mm -hmm. let them know that it doesn't have kind of what you said, keep, figure it out as you fucking go. Like, don't feel like you have to have this master plan and you have to follow every, there's yeah. so many things are going to change from the minute that you start to the minute that you feel like you're getting somewhere. Like mm -hmm. all of those things will most likely change. And I just really want to, when I amplify a lot of things on my personal brand side, whether mm -hmm. it's my newsletter or whatever that might be, Twitter or LinkedIn, I just want to give people a sense of like almost like that deep breath and just say, ah, okay, like I don't have to have all this shit figured out. Like just start building, start yeah. doing. And once you start doing, you start to get open to new things. Mm -hmm. And once you see those things, you start learning, you can kind of pivot the way you need to pivot. I think that's the that's the ultimate message in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's like the biggest thing we have to like, I know we're like super over time, but like that's like the No, no, no. We like... don't we don't have a cap. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the biggest thing that's like unlearned as adults, right? Is like we're like super fucking high achievers. At least like I was like a try hard. I mean, I don't know. Like I, I think I was like a try hard like up to a certain point, but like I mean, definitely like you know went to one of the best universities and like you know like yeah. did all this like education stuff and like your whole life is like planned out from you from like K to twelve, right? And then college and like like you have like everyone feels like they have to like go into their careers. Like I mean, like you know at this point i've been working for like eight or nine years it's like going into your careers and being like hey like you need all of this figured out and like people i don't know like people go into like these professions where they like still have stuff figured out like med school or like you know law school or whatever right and it's like actually that's like the hardest like these are like the most competitive um spaces because like it's it's weird because like it's it, like it's the that that type of like career is trajectory is like the most competitive because all the overachievers go into that category because they continue wanting to like have stuff figured out and actually yeah. if you go like into like the path of like least resistance which is like this space of startups and and business and and you know mm -hmm. um services where like most people are just still winging it it's like you have like a yeah. very like big advantage um and it's yeah. just, like this like ultimate irony of like even you know being raised by like an immigrant family, like, you know, it's always just like, hey, like you need to go into these 
you should do law school or med school or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, like there is no way I'm able to beat anyone <laughs> because I'm just like not that smart. I'm like not, you know, like I'm not like studying all day. It's just like, I'm not right. able to compete, honestly. Like, um, so yeah, it's exactly, exactly, <laughs> man. No, I, I completely agree. And yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot more people need to be, you know, open, open to that trajectory. And mm-hmm. also I think like, it's not, you know, don't, don't quit your job and go all in on something right away, but at the same time, like test things as you have a job, spend mm-hmm. a couple of hours every week and say, hey, I want to build, you know, a service business. How do I, for example, build a, or I want to build an e-commerce brand, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. How do I, how do I start on Shopify? How do I build a landing page on Webflow or Card mm-hmm. or whatever these services are and go from there and start tinkering? Oh, now I need to set up emails. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Once you start putting those things together, you start to realize like, dude, that only took me like 15 hours and I just learned enough to honestly, go help somebody else. Like maybe your mom wants to open up a shop or your friend wants to, and you'd be like, Hey, I actually know how to do this. Whether you want to charge them or not charge them, that's up to you. But now you could bring that knowledge to somebody else and maybe they get to learn something and then spread that across the way. And I think people just overcomplicate the process. In my opinion, they want to have everything planned out. And I always say, my saying goes, expectations are resentments just waiting to happen. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you have all these high expectations, you're, you're oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you seriously are mm-hmm. like, you can have the expectation. I'm going to go make a million dollars tomorrow. And if you make $999,000, you're going to be like, oh man, I, I, I didn't do it. And it's like, dude, no, you did it. Like you fucking did it. Yeah. Like call it, a, call it whatever you want, but you did it. And I think a lot of people have these really, really, high like elevated uh bloated expectations mm-hmm. where they feel like a failure if they don't reach that exact same thing and i think on the other side too if you do reach it it doesn't feel as exciting because you well, kind of set those back to what we talked about before which is like the social media thing right it's like yeah you have all of these like gurus on social media that are like saying shit like they know what's up but they actually don't or they like border i right. know but they like are definitely not like sold to the extent that they you know frame themselves exactly um and exactly and like even as you know like even as like we're we're growing up but like even like now it's like we look like we're taught to like look up to certain people because we're like oh like these adults have it figured out and then you like become an adult and you're like wait actually like no one has it fucking figured out <laughs> nobody has it figured out dude. Um, nobody has it you, you show me a person that you think got it figured out and i'll show you exact same person that doesn't have shit yeah. figured out like it's like no one has it figured out but least of all like people who are like on social media just like talking like you know like they have it yeah figured out, exactly so, um, exactly it's like exactly. If, it's like if you really figured it out i mean there's like the minority and you know there's a lot of great people on twitter but like i think like you know, it's like if you really figured it out, you wouldn't be on Twitter. <laughs> You'd be like somewhere right. else. Um, so right, right, I don't know. Just, exactly, um, exactly. Even even Elon hasn't figured anything out, and he's like done so he well a, for he it. has at least <laughs> figured out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, I mean, the there's, there's a lot of great people on, on Twitter and, and LinkedIn and all these networks, but like I think, like generally speaking, it's just like yeah, I think like yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy man. crazy well uh go ahead and uh let people know um you know where they can find you maybe follow you on twitter uh talk about replo anything else that you want to you want to um pitch here or or plug whatever you want to call it um you know uh lo- love having this conversation with you man it was awesome and uh yeah, man, just give people wh- wh- what they want to hear. Yeah, totally. So um, you can find out more about Replo at replo.app. So R-E-P-L-O dot app. Um, and then from there, you can join our community. Um, it's a Slack community. And then also follow us on Twitter. 
Um, our Twitter, Twitter handle is RuploHQ. Um, and then my Twitter handle is Yushinzu, uh, Y-U-X-I-N-Z-O-O. So um, it's a pun with my last name. But yeah, I mean, overall, like, you know, really enjoy chatting and we should definitely like catch up more. <laughs> I, yeah, again, yeah, like kind of going full circle. Like, I feel like we've been working together, like through like, you know, various channels, like yeah, um, just never had a time to like catch up. So no, this was, yeah. this is a pleasure. And I, and I just want to say, um, thank you for sharing all the info that you shared mm -hmm. your, your way of, you know, doing things and your transparency and candidness. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, my goal always with this, with this podcast is to just kind of just give people an insight into different entrepreneurs and people who are figuring out on their journey, mm -hmm. um, where they started, where they're going, what they're doing now, where they want to put potentially be in a few years yeah. um and i think you you did an amazing job of, of explaining all that and and shining light on the on you know things like yc and all these other components so um thank you thank you for being on i i'm, I'm excited to get this episode out to the world and good luck with everything most importantly i think what you guys are building is really really cool and um yeah man i think it's gonna it's gonna do really well and i think it's already doing pretty damn well so um, I'm going to be rooting for you guys and, and making sure that me and Justin continue working on the content side of things and, and keep crushing it there. Yeah, no, totally. Let's do it. And yeah, best of luck with, uh, to your stuff as well. Sounds like you're, you guys are working on some ex uh, pretty exciting stuff as well. So absolutely, <laughs> man. Thank that. you. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into what is my brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.